Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well, my friends. Very excited to be back with you. Another episode with two guests today, uh, both Vanessa Bennett and Danae Logan, who are combined cheaper than therapy. Um, I love these two. It was an absolutely amazing conversation. It was a lightning conversation. And it's a conversation that I think needs to be had in this healing space. We're going to talk a lot about identity, about what it's like to overcome and move through an existential crisis, existential crisis, excuse me. We're going to talk about what it means to actually heal. We're going to talk about the impacts of our past and who we are today. And this is just a phenomenal episode. Like for me, like to be to be a host of the show and sometimes to to sit here and get to have these conversations and to be able to like take in what people are teaching makes me a listener. And so when I'm going through an episode and having conversation like this, it's really not only enthralling for me, but also it's impactful in, in this way that makes me feel like, man, there are just other people who get this. We are on the same page. We are growing together. We are creating change together. We are teaching together. We're educating together. And if we can deliver huge value like this to people in the world, we can ultimately do what I believe we all need to do as people, and that's to heal. 
And to be able to look in the mirror and love yourself and recognize that, yes, we all have flaws. Yes, we're all going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to do things that are uncharacteristic of who it is that we believe we are, but we can learn and grow and change through that. And instead of being held down and stuck and feeling like there's no plausible way to continue to go forward, we find a way. And that's what I feel in this conversation with these two incredible human beings. And that's why I'm very, very excited to bring them on. Now, of course, I want to remind you, you can check out more information about what I do in coaching at coaching.thinkunbroken.com, where we built out a six-week daily coaching program with journals and education and games and quizzes and the whole nine. I wanted to create something really incredible for the Unbroken Nation, something that I felt like I would need and use. And this is something that I felt like I need and want and you can check out all the testimonials all the people have gone through the course at coaching.thinkunbroken.com i'm very excited to get in this conversation about cheaper than therapy with vanessa bennett and danae logan so without further ado my friends let's get into the show Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with two special guests, Vanessa Bennett and Danae Logan, who are both therapists and the hosts and co-hosts of Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Vanessa, Danae, welcome. How are you today, my friends? Great. Great. So excited Thank to you be here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super stoked. So first and foremost, for a little background, I would love if each of you would tell us a little bit about your experience and how you got to where you are today. You want to start tonight? Yeah. Well, so Vanessa and I are soul sisters who went to grad school together and, um, really found that our experience around depth psychology, which is the background that we, or the lens with which we sort of do our work and see clients through, um, we had all of these conversations together, whether we were driving to school or just, you know, in our, our world as girlfriends. And we decided that we wanted to, in addition to seeing clients, we thought, we so often hear people say, like, what actually happens if you've never been to therapy? You don't necessarily know what therapy's like. It can feel sort of like it's a scary thing for people when they go in for the first time. And so we decided, why don't we bring some of the conversations that we love having together, some of the people that we love to sort of geek out talking about the stuff that, you know, the depth psychology, all the things we love talking about. Why don't we bring it into a podcast? And in addition, um, we do coaching sessions live on our podcast and sort of show people a little bit, you know, behind the scenes, behind the curtain, what it would look like if you were to drop into the therapy room. 
I that's love a that. great. I'm like, well, she just said it. That's a great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Where does that want come from? Because I, I think that there are so many people, you know, who who are curious about that process of stepping into therapy and, and wanting to get closer to, you know, really what is personal development, I think, in going through mm. therapy. Um, what is it probably that you are trying to, I don't want to necessarily say dismantle, but what is the thing that you're trying to change the scope of conversation around? Well, I think a lot of it's around destigmatizing it, right? I mean, I, I think it's great. I think we've seen a generational shift in the pro- like how people feel about therapy, but there's still a lot of mental health stigma out there. And I think, um, you know, for both of us too, what was important is that people hear that therapists also have these kind of deeper conversations, right? Because depth psychology is a psychology of the soul. So Danae and I might have tactical tools, like I have training in MBCT and and we integrate all these different techniques. And the bottom line is, is that we are actually in the therapy room really talking to each other's souls. Like this kind Mm -hmm. of therapy is, is just so much deeper and can go so much deeper than like, here's some thought stopping techniques, right? Um, and I think it was important for us also to bring depth psychology to more people because I think it's it's a little bit of an unknown unknown realm, I suppose. Now, for those who really don't know what that is or what that means, can you take some time and really dive into so we can create context? So I don't want people to come into mm-hmm. this and hear that and then it kind of goes over their head. So what yeah. exactly is it? So depth psychology is, it's it's basically Jungian psychology. So Carl Jung created what was known as analytical or what is known as analytical psychology. And depth psychology is essentially what branched off from analytical psychology. So um, they tend to call Freud the father of psychology. They call Jung the mother of psychology. Um, And Jung himself went on a really, really deep journey uh, into his depths, depths, into his darkness, if you will. Uh, And so much of his approach to therapy is really about this idea of going deeper, going under. Um, You know, we tend to work more with the unconscious. We work with how the unconscious speaks. So the unconscious speaks through images and through metaphor. It doesn't speak through language, right? And so Danae and I are trained more to look for what's not being said um, and to kind of play in that arena versus what's on the surface. um, Or I would even say like behaviors. Like I think behavioral change is important, but sometimes it's really like, like sometimes behavioral work can be a little bit of a bandaid on a bullet hole. And that's really important. We've got to stop the bleeding. But once the bleeding has subsided, we've got to get in there and discover what the wound is. Otherwise, it's just going to keep bleeding through. And in that, is there, what I'm looking for here is what really truly differentiates this from someone sitting down with someone in Gestalt or um, CBT or whatever that other kind of therapy might be where does this lie in the scope of, I don't want to call it necessarily only practicality, but Mm -hmm. um, an impact. Mm. You know, when I think about the differentiation of looking at our therapeutic lens through the lens of the soul versus some of the other clinical ways of holding this work, for me, it has a lot to do with like Joseph Campbell's work and how he talks about the hero's journey. And I, a lot of times with clients will ask them to sort of zoom out on their life and hold it in the context of the hero's journey. And if we look at our life as though this were a chapter of our lives versus um, 
the entire story. What is this chapter, this moment in time attempting to teach me? How is it asking me to expand, to um, maybe break out of some of the paradigms that I've held to be true up to this point? Um, and so it's it's a little bit less of the holding whatever the thing is that I'm struggling with going through, through the lens of why is this happening to me, that resistance energy, and sort of zooming out and saying, okay, if I look at my life in the context of the big picture, what is this moment, this chapter attempting to teach me? How is it asking me to evolve? That's really beautiful. And is there, in that, what the, the immediate thing that comes to mind is people often look at those moments or those experiences and, and what am I trying to be taught here? Or what am I learning in this moment? Um, and often beat themselves up. How do you how do you kind of navigate that real time? I'm making meaning of this situation with helping people rec reconcile like the reality of like, well, you're supposed to be having this moment. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of Jung's work is around the collective. And so mm -hmm. I think when you put it into the context of the collective of, you know, we work a lot with myth and with story and with archetypes, when you realize that you are not alone, when you realize that there are other roadmaps and other people who have done this before you, and there are archetypal processes that already exist, um, it can help you understand that there's no reason to beat yourself up because, somebody's done this before, right? And there's purpose in this. There's meaning in this. Um, I also don't believe that you have to be in a place of meaning making when you're not in a place of meaning making. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think that comes in a different places and different kind of times and points along your journey for everybody. And I'm not a big fan of forcing somebody into making meaning when they're not there yet. Yeah. yeah. I think also that, yeah, I think we also, through the lens of depth psychology, look as Vanessa was speaking to archetypes and myth. And I think what is beautiful about looking back at the similarities of myths throughout cultures and throughout history is that we can see so much of um, the ways that we used to do things as collectivist cultures, where we've become very individualistic cultures. And so it's a lot like us attempting to navigate life without a real roadmap or with sort of like, this is what this looks like to this life stage. And I think what myth a lot of time offers is you are not alone in the experience that you are going through. Mm -hmm. People have been going through something very similar for centuries. Um, right. It just, I find a lot of times normalizes the struggles of what it is to be human um, for so many of us that feel like I'm the only one who has felt this particular way that I'm going through, this particular struggle that I'm grappling with. With the pull towards independence, especially if you are in North America being this really interesting structure that you start to see single family homes and people living in the suburbs and us being less communal. Does that, does that in any mm. way like remove or take away from the, the healing process or the ability um, to be more human? I think Danae and I would yeah. both say yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... go ahead, B. No, I was going to say, I, yeah, think, I that, think for me, there's that a is... delay. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Michael. There's a delay on my end. So I'm, I'm over talking. Danae, Danae, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think you're in the So <laughs> I think that Danae and I talk a lot about the collective and how important it is to find your find your people, find your team, find your healing community, because we're not meant to do this alone. And we never were meant to do this alone. And this very individualistic culture that we actually live in now is, is very outside of the norm 
for our souls, for us as human beings. You know, this isn't actually how we're meant to live. To your point, we're not meant to live in suburbs in these very tiny, you know, uh, nuclear families. We're not meant to have not have support, right? The aunties and the uncles and everyone helping raising the children um, and elders that I can go to and get, you know, wisdom from and I can pull from their experience. And we don't have any of that. We've lost it. And so I think as a people, we tend to be very lost because of that. We don't have these these markers and this kind of grounding energy of family and community like we used to. Yeah. And I think what I would add is that I think 2020 and certainly into 2021 and what I have seen um, was the lessons, the takeaways that are coming up for so many clients is that so much about the nuclear family structure that we had been operating and we have realized there are some issues with and that um, we do need community a lot more than we realized. If nothing else, um, working with so many parents who were attempting to do life, keep, you know, food on the table with kids that were out of school. And this is just impossible, like no other word but impossible um, to describe what they were attempting to do. And all of a sudden, you know, looking around at their neighbors that they'd never met, never had a conversation with and being like, yo, can we bring the kids together? Everybody like maybe come up with a pod and we do some of this learning together as a community versus us trying to do this alone because it's just not possible anymore. And I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways we realized maybe we should have been living this way a little bit more to begin with, right? Like maybe this was, there was some wisdom in living that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that's very fascinating to me because I, I feel like there's I just hear. this self-ostracization from the world um, mm -hmm. In general, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a, a friend who lives in my building and it's my breast friend after. And we were talking about the reality where like even our own neighbors, like we cannot communicate with them. We cannot. Enter. I, I'm very much the person like I'm going to say hi to you in the elevator because I've had these moments where literally a hello has changed my life like four years later. Yeah. Right. From a human connection. And, and I found that being able to connect with people at depth feels far and vastly more difficult than it probably ever has. Um, and, and I wonder how much of that is really tied in to, to this system and the structure shifting in a way that people feel like they're supposed to be alone. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's the culture that we live in, right? I mean, I think that we are now on the other side of a few generations of this very like you know, it's industrial. It's like, this is what you do. It, it started with the farming communities and it turned into more of the industrial communities. And then it turned into this like land grab in the suburbs. And we've been kind of fed this. We've been fed this. I, would, I hate to say it, but we've kind of been fed this lie, right? Which is like the, the indication of a successful life is to own a home and have a, a husband or a wife and 2.2 kids in the picket fence. And I'm not bagging on that as a choice, if that is your choice and that's what fills you up. Um, but I think for so many of us, it's given us like a really toxic blueprint that we feel like if we haven't checked off these boxes in this specific order by this specific age, that there's something wrong with us. And I would say 50, 75% of the clients that, that I work with that come to me are having some sort of existential crises around not lining up to where they're supposed to be, right? Like what I want and who I am is not aligning with what I've been told I should be doing or who I should be. And so it throws people into, a, I mean, a legit existential crisis. And then here they come, you know, 30, 35, whatever, and, and they have no sense of self. They have no meaning. They have no purpose. And they, and they need to start from scratch, you know? 
and and when they're in that and they're they're trying to start from scratch and they find themselves with you like how do you do that right mm-hmm. like what is what is it when when your whole identity has been built on this idea of i need to have all these things and have all these experiences and and ultimately show up in this kind of way in the world to have validity and validation and 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 love compassion worth all those things and you come to find out like that's not really how the world works and it's like is existential crisis for you how do you start to rebuild in that mm. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what Danae was saying about pulling back. Like, I think a lot of it has to do with pulling back and being able to see the cultural shift and how that actually has impacted how we feel about ourselves and and almost like seeing your place in it. And for a lot of people, I'm just going to pause on that. Okay. Um, For a lot of people, they're actually not even aware of that, right? They have no idea the kind of impact that that has actually had on their on them on their sense of self. Like I said, on their on their happiness. And so, first and foremost, it's actually like restructuring and giving them new lenses to look at things through. And then I think the other thing is helping them rewrite their story, right? So it's helping to reclaim power where they feel like they have none. Um, so many of us, I think, grow up in a very like victim mentality or a victim space. And again, I don't want to blame culture entirely, but I do think that that tends, there's a cultural component to that. Um, and so I think rewriting story is really important. I think getting in there and, um, helping them with, with tangible tools, actually. I mean, this is where I would talk tangible tools around building self-esteem, around building purpose, around being able to say no, around getting to choose what their life is going to look like or not look like. Um, and, and sometimes it takes, it takes a rock bottom to do that. But I think that is, um, I think the most common, most common scenario I see in therapy. Yeah. And I, I know one of the things that you, you both speak on is self-abandonment and yeah. in this process. And I'd love for you to not only define that, but to talk about and talk through that process. You want to take that today? Uh, Danae, we can't hear you. Hang on. we Check check your mic. <laughs> we lost you. She can't check your mic. Her. Check the, the settings on your mic. She can't hear us either. Weird. Um, Is there a chat? Hey, guys. Bear. Yeah. That's... It's okay. These things happen. So I know um, technology. Do, <laughs> I don't. I don't normally edit, but since this got so messed up, I'll I'll make a note splice here. it together. Yeah. At a time when I was actually leading a seminar, I was leading a group of like eighty nine people or something insane like that, and my internet just like decided to stop working, and I was doing it for a company, right? That of course I was getting paid to do, and I'm like. What can I do? <laughs> yeah, I, nothing. Like, I, I have no control over this. You know, look at today; she's going crazy. Poor yeah. thing. Hang on. Here's what I'm going to do. Sorry, but I'm just going to call her real quick. Yeah, all good. I don't know what to do. My computer is like having a meltdown. Okay, so the settings. Did you go to the settings? Yeah, but it's like it's like melting down. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the wheel. Oh, the spinning wheel. Did you restart? Is that when you came back in? Huh? Did you restart it? Is that when you came back in? 
no, I just tried leaving because I, I couldn't hear any sound. Now it won't let me do anything. So why don't you just restart your computer and then come back in after that? And and I can also just keep going and then you can just come back in. Okay. Cool. Well, hopefully that'll work. Um, I want to need to make a note here in your file. <laughs> I commend you for not usually editing <laughs> our editors. Never, I, I never edit. I, I mean, we don't edit content, but this kind of shit has definitely happened to us before where we're like, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I only, I like, I wouldn't even normally edit this, but I'm going to, obviously. Um, so why don't you pick up here from, yeah. I asked you to self abandonment. Uh, self abandonment. Okay. Yeah, so Danae and I talk a lot about self-abandonment. I think through not just our work with clients, but also our own personal work and personal journeys, um, I think we've really realized that so much of the cause of or the root of our disconnection to self or our unhappiness or whatever language you want to use around it has really actually been this abandonment of self, right? And so I know that I've heard you say before, like, I just simply don't do what I don't want to do, right? Like, it's just that simple. And and that, to me, is an indication of somebody who very strongly chooses self, who very strongly does not abandon self. And so many of us grew up, not just people who are maybe in a relationship with or have a family member who struggled with addiction, but many of us just culturally, societally have grown up in very codependent families. And so when you grow up in this, this way, you are taught very early on to choose others above the self, right? Like you are taught to not speak up, not rock the boat, you know, do whatever you need to do to attach and to maintain attachment, right? And and typically all of those behaviors are acts of abandoning self. You're not choosing self, right? And so we talk about it from a conceptual lens, but then we also break it down into very specific tangible actions, right? So like I will talk boundaries and we'll have an entire kind of topic around boundaries and how does learning to establish boundaries actually impact your ability to choose self, right? And to not self-abandon. And so it, it is like a concept, but but you can see it in the actual tangible ways that we show up in our relationships and in our day-to-day always. And in that, you know, because I, I think that, you know, obviously growing up in self or, or codependent family systems and then finding yourself in codependent relationships and always being in this place in in which you're trying to to leverage other people to build self mm-hmm. how do you like how do you break that in a practical way because i i think that there i look at it like this sometimes because i went through this experience myself of being in front of a brick wall with a sledgehammer and like mm-hmm. literally knocking it down yeah what is it like or, or what do you think is the best way for someone to step into kind of bridging that gap to, to remove themselves from codependency and start to show up for themselves more? Well, I don't know if I can speak to that in like a 20 second blip, but <laughs> that's a, take that's as long a, as you need. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a big one, right? It's, um, so it's kind of like I always, when I teach my courses around codependency or I'm working with clients in codependency, you know, I always say that codependency work is identity work. And the bottom line is it is, it's really about micro moments. And I think that's really important for people to understand because I think that people come into therapy or self-betterment, especially in the beginning, and it can feel very intimidating and very overwhelming. And it's just like, it's big, right? And it's hard. I mean, it is hard. It's hard to choose the self. It actually is easier, at least in the short term, to choose the other versus choosing the self, right? To choose the action that is 
allows you to feel in that moment versus choose yourself as a in that specific moment, maybe not long term. And so I like to talk about micro moments, right? It's in these individual times where like, I have the opportunity to, I've hit a crossroads, I can either turn right or I can turn left. Turning right would be to do the thing I've always done. So not say no, not establish a boundary. Um, that might feel good temporarily, but I know where that leads. Turning left is doing that thing, right? That thing that makes me so uncomfortable, I wanna throw myself off a building legitimately. And knowing that it's gonna be that uncomfortable, knowing that I'm, I'm gonna feel that kind of pain and that kind of panic and that kind of potential abandonment, right? And I'm gonna do it anyway. Even though I call it a micro moment, as I'm talking about it, I'm sure you can kind of feel the like, oh my God, that's my option, right? That's what I'm going to feel. And so I, I think it is in a micro moment of a boundary, like, oh, I do the thing, I set the boundary. Well, guess what? In that tiny micro moment, you've just established a deeper sense of who you are. You've created a deeper connection to your soul. You've allowed your intuition, your soul to actually speak through you and you listened, you did the thing, right? Um, and so if you start compiling all of these micro moments, there does become momentum until at some point you don't even realize that you're not, you are setting a boundary, right? It almost like comes so naturally that you're like, man, I can't believe I used to just roll over and not say no all the time. Um, and that point does come, but it, it takes a while, you know? Yeah, I love that you talked about momentum. I, I think it's everything uh, ultimately, because today you're you're always at zero, right? You're yeah. always at step one, and and people often want to go to step four thousand. And I'm like, you're trying to run a marathon. I'm just trying to put my damn shoes on, right. you know. And so momentum is everything in this game. And it, and it sounds to me like some aspect of this is also really about reparenting self, right? Mm -hmm. Getting yourself in this position where you're doing that thing that should have been done for you. W would you agree with that? Does that feel true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of the work around learning to choose the self or learning to not self-abandon is going to be done through reparenting. And so um, I think that this concept of getting really still and being able to ask the question of yourself, of your inner child, really, um, what would I have liked to hear in this moment, right? Or in that moment, if you're reflecting, what would I have actually needed from some kind of ideal parent, um, you know, if one existed? Uh, what What is that thing that I would have needed in that moment? And then can I give that to myself, right? And so then you can translate out into the moment by moment. Um, you know, how can I give myself this feeling of security? How can I give myself this feeling of worthiness? Um, or, I mean, extra credit, how can I actually verbalize and say to my partner, I'm feeling really disconnected from you. Um, and it's kind of setting me into a tizzy, you know, I need to connect. Like, can we sit down and talk tonight? Because you know that feeling grounded and safe in your relationship is something that's important to you. Amazing, right? So reparenting can be obviously reparenting self, but it can also be done through the, the close relationships in your life too. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily 
Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. And in that, one of the things that kind of comes to mind is this separation, speaking specifically towards relationships, is this bit of a separation of uh, masculine and feminine identities that people have and those energies as well because you know uh, uh, the literally the first thing that came to mind is when someone approaches a partner about hey will you come and sit down have this conversation with me they immediately either a become terrified or go well i'm a man and i don't talk how do you how do you start to step into that energy and allow yourself as both a uh, you know, however you identify, but to feel the full range of both masculine and feminine energies. Yeah. I mean, this is something actually that Jung really talked a lot about in his, the anima and the animus. And, and the idea really is that every single human being has an energies, right. Or dynamics. Um, it's not that men are masculine women are feminine, right? And so what's really important is that we have to understand that when we are out of balance in our relationships and we are out of sync in our relationships, usually it's because those energies are out of balance, right? I am too much in my masculine and I'm not enough in my feminine. My um, ability to receive, my ability to just be, my ability to soften, my ability to be vulnerable. Um, And when I'm too much in my masculine, right? Or my feminine rather, I am on the opposite. It's like, I'm, I'm going too hard into controlling, into containing, into like, you know, it's got to look like this, A, B, you know, A plus B equals C. Um, and, and so there's nothing wrong intrinsically with either side of that spectrum. But what we see happen, especially in couples, is that they get really out of whack. They get really out of balance. And so part of the work that we do as therapists when we're working with these energies is really to help both parties, regardless of sex, understand where are you showing up too intensely in one side or the other? How can you actually lean into or um, embody more of the other energy? Because when you're both in balance in that way, energetically, your relationship is going to be more in balance. Your relationship, not just the two of <laughs> culture, our energies are out of balance, you know? And so we are, we have this very patriarchal society that we live in is one that has had so much for so long, this hyper-masculine energy. And we are now seeing the kind of negative consequences to that, right? Um, hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and now we're, we're kind of facing that reality. Yeah. What are those consequences? Because I, I think it's often, especially in this society, a very forest for the trees kind of thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what does that actually look like in, in the world that we're in right now? No, I mean, I think... That? Yeah, I think there's so many ways that that shows up. Um, Certainly, if we think about living in a society where we have completely rejected the feminine, you know, um, everything we are taught from so young is that the feminine is 
um, has a negative connotation that, you know, don't throw like a girl, don't be a girl, um, you're, you're crying like a girl, all of these like energies of like the feminine being unnecessary, silly, um, childlike, we where, yeah, where, you know, what we have done is really connect or disconnect, excuse me, from so much of um, our connection to our intuition and our ability to be vulnerable and our ability to connect from to the source energy from which we come from. And ultimately, what the outcome of that is a society that is completely disconnected from Mother Earth to the point where we are destroying it, right? Um, and I think I do a lot of work with couples where I see this show up and that like we we don't know how to meet one another because it's like everybody is sort of fighting with <laughs> with each other to be the alpha women as a society i would say collectively are so much in like really wounded masculine energy because what i believe happened was um as we had the rise of the feminist movement which i mean we're so grateful for that but what happened was instead of sort of the feminist movement being about celebrating reclaiming feminine energy that had been disregarded by a patriarchal culture for so long what we did was decide feminism is going to look like women attempting to replicate wounded masculine energy and mm -hmm. so so many of us as women were sort of raised to believe what i need to do to be equal quote to men in society to have equal rights and um, a seat at the table is to act like wounded masculine energy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually not serving any of us. But what I see play out in terms of couples dynamics so often is that women are so deep in wounded masculine energy, which there will inevitably, I find, be a polarity created um, just naturally between two people. And what ends up happening is men in the relationships with women, and obviously I'm speaking very heteronormatively in this context, um, end up showing up in these relationships in really wounded feminine energy, which repels the, the women in their lives. And I found this fascinating once I came to this realization, because, you know, I was married for so many years, not really understanding, like, unable to put my finger on what is the difficulty in our dynamic, mm -hmm. what makes it so hard for us to keep this energy of um, attraction and longing and all of these things that, you know, in healthy polarity we have. But what I find is this um, rejection of the feminine, this inability to integrate feminine energy um, for both masculine and feminine energies in a healthy way really means that we are both operating in wounded polarities. Mm. How does that, I want to, for some people, this might sound heady, so I'm going to yeah. do my best to try to bring this into something practical. Mm. In consideration of what you just said and looking at this idea of these wounds on both sides and looking like really you get this polar opposite, right? The polarity is starting to take place. And then you find yourself in this weird juxtaposition of like, I want to be more of who I am, but simultaneously battling myself of trying to show up as what this other person needs as well. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that through doing this work? Yeah, I mean, I think what it, well, I'll start with, you know, again, I, I, I want to name that always that I think a lot of times people can be a little off put by when we speak in, you know, masculine and feminine, as we're naming these dynamics, and you can say, yin and yang, sun and moon, they're really just about that polarity. So it's not so much as Vanessa was speaking to masculine meaning men, mm -hmm. um, and feminine meaning female, it's really about like the polarities between mm -hmm. two people. So if we think about this energy in terms of like, we start with women, I think, first, the recognition of 
I have been conditioned by society, by what I was taught to be in order to be a strong woman, to really reject all of the beautiful aspects of what it means to be in my feminine energy. And that means allowing myself to be playful and light and sensual and- Taken um, care of. Yeah, and receiving and trusting my intuition, all of these things that, you know, we start there. We start to look at like, when as a little girl was I taught to reject some of these things? Was I taught mm -hmm. to think those things are silly and you need to get serious and start, you know, um, being more realistic, right, in the world. And so for women, it starts there, right? Like I start with reclaiming some of this feminine energy. And then often what happens is I, I get in this place of like, divine feminine energy and like really reclaiming that for myself but then the next part after that is realizing but i am both masculine and feminine energy which means i also need to move from a wounded masculine into the space of like healthy masculine energy and what that looks like is i get to be my own fierce protector i get to have boundaries a lot of the boundary work that vanessa so beautifully talks about um looking at some of my codependent tendencies and where i sort of you know abandon myself and um am not speaking the truth of what my needs are and um i start playing with some of that like how do i stand in the truth of what i'm feeling right or wrong it's how i feel and i can name that and that's okay um and then for men um i think it becomes how do i sort of you know create a new version of what it means to be a man. And right. I think so much of what I work with my men, male clients on is how do I start to create a new framework around healthy masculinity? Um, that it's not competitive and, um, you know, conquering and, you know, just that everything is linear. There's a right and wrong that I'm afraid all the time that I'm going to lose out on something if I'm not constantly in the space of conquering, but how do I hold space? And how do I be in the space of um, being the witness, taking in um, the experience of mentors? How do I, you know, it's it's so much of like, what is powerful about men's group is, groups is I feel like they bring men back to a space of what used to be the way we lived in co collectivist cultures where the elders would take the men group and they would have rituals for like transitioning them into menhood. Men don't have that anymore. And so mm -hmm. they're sort of looking to figures in the public for their idea. Yeah, in society of what it means to be a man. And a lot of times these are really wounded ideas around masculinity. Um, so we start there with like, what does healthy masculinity even look like? Right. And then from there, same as with women, we start to invite in some healthy feminine energetics into my manhood because I also need to be able to be vulnerable and playful and in the intuitive space in order to meet my woman. Like if I'm completely severed from those things, I can't see her. I can't understand her. I can't meet her there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I love that. And the, the things that came to my mind as we're going through this is in part one, I believe inherently like you do have the traits as for, I'll speak for myself as a man to be competitive. Um, mm. I feel that like in my butt, like don't play Monopoly with me. I promise nobody's <laughs> going to have a good time. Right. But then I, I think about partners or women I've had in my life and their, their want or need almost inherently to feel 
the like they want to be safe or protected by their man. And then we kind of have to get to this place where we have to reconcile that you actually have to put an effort and energy towards creating the shift and the change around the mm -hmm. nomenclature of what it is that you determine these things to mean. You know, I, I go rewind on on relationships, particularly with men in my my late teens and twenties. Our conversations were everything that you think they were. Right. Mm. And there was nothing about bonding over any type of growth. It was never, you know, can we can we hug? Can we be in connection with each other? And and the more that I the older I get now, the more information I have, the more I think about the space of the world. I don't want that anywhere near me. And I, mm -hmm. I would have to say, oh, I will speak for men in this conversation. I know that more men want that. But there is this innate fear of the change in the same way that I even see that shift with women where it, it almost feels like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth and you can speak for yourself freely here, but it almost feels like that need and desire maybe inherently to be taken care of or feel protected. We're pushing away from. So it feels like these, these, are, these ideologies are so deeply ingrained societally, whether, and, and, and then I start to think about even things about relationship structures and family systems and monogamy and non-monogamy and all yep. these things that come into play and go, well, where the fuck do you even really start? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's real talk. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be so simple. You know, I think I work with so many women around just the simplicity of our ability to receive. So many of us as women were conditioned to recoil at the idea of allowing ourselves to receive anything. That means you're weak. That means um, you're needy. That like there's all kinds of stories we have around what it means to be received. But that is one of the most fundamental, innate desires, ultimately, of the feminine. I mean, think about us anatomically, like the feminine receives from the masculine um, during connection, right? So it's it's like returning to like the core of who we are to allow ourselves to be in some of that energy so where can i receive even if it's from a girlfriend like where can i allow myself to be supported in these little bitty ways it's like this little bit of reprogramming and vanessa do you have any thoughts on that yeah i mean i i think that what i have well first i will say that also don't play monopoly with me because it won't be fun for anybody either. And so <laughs> when it comes to the masculine and feminine, I've got a lot of that wounded masculine in me too. Um, but Danae and I have talked about this a lot. You know, I think it comes from, it comes from upbringing. It comes from being raised in a very um, like survivalist kind of way. Like I need, we need to survive. Right. And I think a lot of us, a lot of us are raised that way. A lot of us have, I mean, everybody, nobody gets out of childhood unscarred, right? We all have this kind of bag of trauma that we carry, whether it's capital T or lowercase T um, that, that wires us. And we all live in this same society. We're all swimming in this patriarchal society and structure all the time. Right. It's, it's like being a fish and not understanding that you live in water because how would you understand that? Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to add to what she said because she kind of speaks to it so beautifully other than just to say that I know in my own relationship, um, I've finally had a realization in my most recent relationship that so much of my healing has been around, um, admitting that I do want to receive admitting that I do need to also be protected. Whereas I'm always the protector. I'm always the giver. And then I walk around resentful as fuck of my relationships. Right. Mm. And so, so much of my work in this has been around reclaiming the feminine energy around needing to receive. And I think my partner has done the same. Like, I think for him, so much of it has been 
he's never been in a partnership where a woman has, I mean, again, we're talking heteronormatively here, has allowed him or invited him to take care of her, to protect and to provide, not like quote unquote financially, you know, but just like that feeling of provision for, for who you love. And that feels really uncomfortable for me. Like as Danae and I are sitting here talking about it, let everybody who's listening be clear. It's not easy for me to get mm. into that space. I feel so uncomfortable and so vulnerable and weak. I mean, to use all those words, I do feel that way. Um, and it's the same for him, but it is in those moments where I can say, okay, take a deep breath and allow this, that our relationship changes. And then my relationship with myself changes too. Yeah. And, and it feels so much to me, like in those moments and, and same, like going through this deeper scope of understanding who I am, what I want, how I want to exist in the world, asking myself harder questions, being willing to be vulnerable in ways I never have. I, I think everyone is slightly terrified of the real, the realization that yeah. the answer doesn't come until the answer comes. Yeah. Right. And, and that's a really hard thing. And, and part of me, there, there's a quote that I love from the film Matrix, where um, it says to deny your impulses is to deny the very thing that makes you human. And, and I think about that, that sits with me quite frequently because I, we are impulsive as human beings. And I often wonder, are we acting on impulses or ignoring them for our own detriment or to our own benefit? And yeah. it seems to me like, especially when it comes to there, there's nothing that makes me feel more bonded to being in connection with another man than having a conversation of vulnerability. And, and it feels like that is the thing that we often are rejecting. Right. Mm -hmm. And then on the other mm -hmm. side of it, that also feels true in connection with women where it's like, mm -hmm. can I have, like, I don't give a fuck about the weather. Like, I don't care. I literally, I have an app for that. I can look at it. Great. Talk to me about who you are as a human being, mm -hmm. but simultaneously, it, this is where I'm kind of going with this. There is so much shame and guilt associated with vulnerability around this scope of the idea that you are weak. If you are vulnerable, you are fucking weak. You know, mm -hmm. man up, woman up, stop making excuses, stop being a crybaby. Where I'm like, yeah, but the reality is that's actually the strongest thing that you can do. And that terrifies people. That was me basically fucking 12 years old till 27. Being yeah. terrified of this idea, like, wait a second, I can be emotional. So when you have people who are, they, they want to step into this energy, their partners are saying, you don't connect with me because of these things. Mm -hmm. How do you, where is the beginning of that process to step into vulnerability in a way that will be to your betterment? I mean, I will say, you know, today I would love to hear you answer this, but I, I think what's coming up for me when you're saying this, Michael, is actually that some of my favorite clients to work with are men, like individual clients are men. And partly it's because by the time they come to me, they are so hungry for this. Mm -hmm. And the kind of conversations that we have and the way that they let me allow me to see them is so profound. And it's like, it's, it's so moving on like a cellular level that there is not a single session that I don't leave with my male clients where I don't feel profoundly changed myself. Right. And it's because of that. It's because that it's there, it's in you, it's in all of us. It's just that we have been told it's, it's wrong and it's bad and it's dirty and it's weak and shut it down, shut it out, shut it up. Right. And so the second they have that space to be seen, oh my God, like what a profound shift 
there really is. Um, but Danae, sorry. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you have something to say to that, but that was just something that came up for me is like, what, what a profound and powerful space it is for me to be able to hold space. I think for the men that are working on this stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel like the longer I do this work, the more convinced I am that ultimately what our healing ends up being is just like a returning, a homecoming, you know, um, to our innate nature. I think there are so many ways, whether it is our trauma or our wounds or our defense mechanisms that were there for a very good reason until they are no longer serving us. Um, when we do this work of attempting to heal, what we're really doing is returning to the nature of what feels good, right? Like trusting my wisdom, trusting that if I have a longing, it's there for a reason. And I think um, when we think about these core dynamics, um, both masculine and feminine, so much of it is like, you know, there's a lot of ways that we, and, and some of this is like, what is difficult to talk about because people experience it as like, you're not allowed to say those things, or that feels kind of politically incorrect, or that's taking us back to say those things. But some of these things are just our innate nature. Um, I, I really feel like we need to normalize what you're saying that like, yeah, it like I didn't even realize until I was contained by really masculine energy in a way that I'd never experienced because it was not what I was conditioned to do. And I was so like reflexively like would fight against it. No, I've got this. I'm in this energy of like, I could take care of myself. I didn't realize until like really strong masculine energy contained. Um, no, I've got you that I was like, oh God, like softening back into something that felt so innate um, within mm -hmm. me that I didn't even know it was dormant. I wasn't even aware that that was a part of me. And I find very similar to um, what Vanessa is speaking to, I find that so many of the men that I work with, they're just like hungry for an opportunity. You know, we teach little boys from so little, shut it down, be a man, stop feeling. Where do those feelings go? They're mm -hmm. not gone. You know, it's just like, I'm desperate to allow myself. It's like, you know, animals in the wild, you'll watch them when like something happens and they'll sort of like, you know, shake it off and complete the cycle when something like when they're attacked, right? Like they'll complete the cycle because they know like instinctively, whatever has just happened needs to move through me on a somatic level. Um, it's the same thing for us as we're coming into the space of healing. We know like in our body, we're holding all that trauma. We're holding all of the things that we're not feeling. And when we finally allow ourselves to come back into that space of processing and feeling, it's just like the deepest surrender into what somewhere within me i knew i've been hungry for this whole time that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah that's very beautiful and i and what comes to mind and that is just that that sense of freedom mm -hmm. right and and that's kind of where i began with using that that reference to the matrix because it, it feels like that's where we exist it's within that scope of showing up authentically as who we are and, and I think the hard part about that in, in, in my personal experience has been trying to navigate the reality of that while simultaneously looking at the world through the scope that says you're wrong if you think that's who you're supposed to be. And that's why I always tell people that the greatest thing I've ever discovered is to not give a fuck about what people think about. Me. Yeah. And that's not to be dismissive, but just simply to say, man, that makes me feel more true to who I am when I don't have to worry about your, I mean, I'm fucking six foot four covered in tattoos. I cuss all the time. And I talk about self-love. 
You don't mm-hmm. think people don't send me emails where like, who do you think you are? And I go, well, if I carried that, how could I have this conversation with you? Mm-hmm. And and I think it's always a consummate journey. You're always going to learn. You're always going to discover. And and I feel like even in this conversation, we're only just touching the surface. So I'd, I'd love to have you both yeah. back. Um, but before I ask each of you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find out more about you? Yeah. So, um, we, our podcast is everywhere, everywhere you listen to podcasts and it's cheaper than therapy. Uh, it's on Instagram is cheaper than therapy, the podcast. And then Danae and I both have our own separate communities and handles. So mine is just Vanessa S Bennett to ends to T's and Danae's is Danae dot Logan dot Logan. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll let you choose who wants to go first, but my last question for you each is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Hmm. Oh, Danae, you want to take it first? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I think about what you were just saying about um, society and this matrix. One of my favorite depth psychologists, James Hillman, speaks to depression and anxiety is sort of the psyche's way of saying, I refuse to participate in mania. And I always think of that quote when I think of, you know, the fact that maybe what is actually happening here is that I was never broken. There was this you know, innate response within me to what is maybe a little bit um, crazy about our society, what is not functioning well in terms of the way that we've been living, the way that we've been um, meeting one another and interacting relationally. And so um, I believe that a lot of times our healing comes when we realize we were never broken. This is an experience of being human. That's what we came here to do. I believe this is a life school. And so all of this is for us, for us to learn about ourselves, for us to expand through. But I don't I don't think it's ever a question of us being broken. It's just um, us navigating this thing called being alive. So for me, I think this idea of what, it, what does unbroken mean, what initially kind of rises to the surface for me is the initiatory journey, right? So the leaving of the village, the slaying of the dragons, the death, the underworld, and the rebirth. And when we look at it that way, it, it, it helps us understand that in your life, in my life, in our lives, we will all go through a thousand deaths, there will all be a thousand processes of deaths. It doesn't necessarily mean that that death is forever. You will be in the underworld for a while. You will be in this, this liminal space for a while, right? You're not who you were. You're not who you're going to be yet. Um, but on the other side of that is the growth, the rebirth, the being able to come back to the village, the changed person, right? Um, and so when I think about being unbroken, I think about how many deaths I've been through and how many underworlds I've, I've seen and walked through. And how many rebirths have been on the other side of that. And so it just is a really helpful context to me every time I experience another death, that there will be another rebirth. Love it. And could not agree more with both of you. Thank you so much for being here, Unbroken Nation. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review 
rate and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.